Let me ask you a question. Do you have a deep knowing that you're only just scratching the surface of where you're capable of taking your business growth? Are you successful but have some invisible hurdles that are slowing you down? Business growth comes from creating and implementing strategies and frameworks, but strategies and frameworks on their own will not take you to the level I know you desire and are capable of. Living in alignment with your unique human design will help you to attract the abundance you are ready for. And I've just created a free guide to help you understand your unique human design blueprint. It's called the Human Design Advantage, and you can get your copy over at samanthariley.global forward slash advantage. What is something that you offer that other people don't or don't sell? And how can you position yourself as the expert in that area? And then from there, so much content can come out and you don't have to always be selling and marketing. My name is Samantha Riley, and this is the podcast for coaches, course creators, and experts who want to grow their influence, income, and impact to take their coaching business to a million dollars and beyond. We're going to share the latest business growth, marketing, and leadership strategies, as well as discussing how you can use your human design to create success in business and life inside and out create the influence, income and impact you need to build your business so you can create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. This is the Influence by Design podcast. Welcome to today's episode of Influence by Design. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and today I'm going to be chatting to my lovely guest, Phoebe Lay, and we're going to be talking about how to help your business stand out through your online presence. So really looking forward to this. Great to have you in the studio, Phoebe. How are you today? I'm well, Samantha. I'm very well. It's great to be here. In the new year, we've got another year, another year of uh, um, covid but I don't know. I've got a really good feeling about this year. It's got a different air to it to last year. It definitely has. And it definitely feels very different than even just like a few weeks ago. I, I feel the same. It's, yeah, it's, totally. Yeah. I think that we've come to a point where we're kind of used to, you know, the ramifications of COVID and lockdowns and most people that needed to uh, pivot and, and change has you know, put together a plan and, and figured it out or are, you know, well and truly getting more, getting the hang of it and getting used to it. So I think, yeah. I, I hope anyway, it'll be a good year ahead for many of us. Totally. Well said. All right. Let's, why don't you share a little bit about who you are and the kinds of people that you work with, just so that our listeners can get a, a little bit of an idea of who you are. Yeah, sure. So I am, for those that don't know, I am the founder of Thrive and Shine Co. and also most recently targeted 360 Digital. So in essence, I'm a social media marketing strategist and I do a lot of lead generation and coaching and assisting our clients through our done-for-you services. But I like to think that we are more than what our title or our businesses are. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess like the, my answer to that is usually, you know, I'm just a girl that is very passionate about helping people find their voices to speak out and share about the messages that are important to them or to share a positive message online and really use their voices uh, through platforms like Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn uh, and social media to really 
make that positive change and be the change. So that's what I'm passionate about and and also a anti-human trafficking um, advocate as well, which is one of the reasons why I got into business in the first place. Love this so much. You talked about, you know, having a voice. And I think that this is what I love so much about where we are currently in time because, you know, back in the, the 70s, even, you know, the 80s, there were other people that were choosing who were going to be the speakers or the, you know, the singers or the, you know, the people that were going to be elevated to some sort of other, you know, level, I guess you could say. And, you know, as the people, we've taken that back and we all do have the opportunity now to be the voice. That's what I love about social media so much and about the online world. Let's talk about building a personal brand because you and I are both very passionate about this, especially for some of my Gen X friends that are still a little bit like, oh, I don't want to get on Instagram and show people what I had for dinner. You know, I really feel like social media has changed a lot. And even a couple of years ago where the Instagram feed looked like a, sh- you know, a glossy magazine, it's very, very different now. And what is getting traction on the platform is very different. Can you talk a little bit around how Instagram has evolved and what it looks like and how we can use it to grow a brand moving into 2022. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you bring this up, especially about the glossy magazine, because, you know, I used to be one of those people that thought Instagram had to be perfect, that everything Mm -hmm. that was on the grid needed to be very, very nice, very aesthetically pleasing, and anything else would just go into the stories and disappear after 24 hours. And, you know, I'm one of those people that jumped on the Instagram bandwagon literally from the moment they launched that app. And I remember my first days on Instagram, I thought it was just a photo editing app, that it was just filters. And I remember getting my first few likes and going, what the heck is this? Discovering <laughs> hashtags. <laughs> yeah. And then getting really, really into it. And this was like, I think it was like in 2010. So it was a long time ago. And It has evolved so much. Like even if we were to compare it from like now to just six months ago, it has evolved Mm. again as well. But overall, Instagram is definitely moving away from the whole everything needs to look like it's, you know, a fancy blogging travel magazine or, you know, you're a paid influencer. And it's now become very video centric. It's very, very much surrounded by giving value or entertainment and definitely video is a big thing and that's how they adopted IGTV to have its own kind of like YouTube-like thing on the platform and then it also took on what TikTok was doing and now it's got Instagram Reels and I would say that IG Reels is really taking off. It's like the next Instagram stories and it's, yeah, it's funny because in 2019 I actually had my Instagram account shut down and I wrote a chapter in a book about it in this book called Redefining Business Success when I was invited to contribute to a chapter that, you know, the the book in itself talks about the six cells and how, you know, we all have you know, like different types of identities that we have. And so mine mm-hmm. was about the ecological self, which is really around breaking away from ex- expectations of society and also, you know, what your family or, your, you know, how you were raised and what you, who you thought you were and now who you are now. And so I talk about slave to the gram, which is 
my chapter in the book and and essentially mm-hmm. you know it touches on the fact that I you know what happened and how it happened and and obviously the moments after and how I tried to recover it and and all that anxiety and stress that came about even in lead up to that there was so much time spent on the Instagram platform I really did feel like a slave to it even though I had no idea and it's almost like you know one of those social media addictions but rather than scrolling you're you're trying to always constantly put out the best content ever every single day and and um essentially that event taught me that I needed to look at the way I was working on the Instagram platform and actually re-evaluate it and also change the way I was working on Instagram and how I was using it to my advantage and in fact I realized that it was a disadvantage having Instagram consuming so much of my time because when that got shut down you know there were a lot of other things you know happened in that time I realized that you know, I actually was doing quite well, even without Instagram, like there was no Mm. dip in my finances. I was still, I still had my CRM. I still had my community on Facebook. Luckily that has been growing rapidly since as well, but I didn't put all my eggs in the one basket. And in fact, I realized that my leads or my new clients were actually not coming through from Insta at all. It was a totally different audience to what I thought. So I was just on that platform just because I enjoyed it and it was building my brand. So Slave to the Gram talks a lot about the importance of really investing in things that you own and how to prevent if you ever did lose something like an account on social media, even though you might feel like it's ours, it's not actually ours and how you can Mm -hmm. still safeguard your business, even if that does happen. What would you do differently knowing that and you know we're basically we're building our we're building our homes on rented land when we're on social media yeah. I definitely think that we need to be there and I'm guessing you do too because you have obviously have built up your Instagram again because you've got quite a few followers where do you put more of your time now I definitely agree that you know it is rented land and it is something that we've got to be very conscious of and even in like you know moving out of 2021 into 2022 I was even during that break I was thinking about okay what am I going to do differently like how many days a week am I going to post is it still going to be five or is it going to be now three and and being a lot more comfortable with that as well and even I'm um, getting my team to move away from creating Instagram stories just from looking at the views and also the return we focus a lot of our time now on LinkedIn mm-hmm I'm guessing a lot of your audience do the same. And for us, that's because we work B2B. So we help a lot of businesses and our main clients are business owners. In fact, they're all business owners. So we find that on LinkedIn, we use a strategy that works really well for us. It generates conversation. It's very authentic and content doesn't have to always be video. In fact, video and graphics don't always work as well on LinkedIn. Sometimes it's mm, just like mm-hmm. an article or text only. So yeah, a lot more on LinkedIn. Definitely still on you know my Facebook group and community because keeping that up is very important. And podcasting. Podcasting has been a really 
really great way of getting more people to come to the brand and also showcasing the people in our community and, you know, having them on the show and and just sharing awesome stories and inspiring journeys of different people. I totally agree about the podcasting. I think that having the podcast has been the best strategy for my business because there's so many different strategies within just having a podcast. You know, it helps you to connect with joint venture partners or potential clients. It helps you to connect and share case studies of your own clients. So there's so many different ways that you can use it. But I'm interested to dive into what you were talking about then with LinkedIn. Where do you see LinkedIn going as a platform or what do you think is the most valuable way to spend your time on LinkedIn in 2022? Yeah, great question, Samantha. And, you know, different people will probably have a different view of LinkedIn depending on how they use it and also, you know, who their target audience is. But in a few years ago, people started to use a lot of like conversation and, you know, invitations to generate leads. And there was a big crackdown on that last year. And a lot of accounts got like banned from sending out new connection requests. A lot of people started to have to really change their whole strategy around that. For us, we are very, very passionate about making sure that we engage with other people. So we do a lot, especially for our clients, we do a lot of engaging on other people's posts and you know connecting authentically before we actually have conversations and reach out and connect. So I think that is you know, I mean, that doesn't quite answer the question, but that's something that we are doing a lot of that we pretty much, you know, also do for our clients on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is starting to, you know, like when polls came in, that was very, very good. People were starting to see that their, you know, their posts were reaching thousands and it was Mm -hmm. something that works really well. And carousels have been working very well as well. I think um, you'll notice as well, especially in the last couple of months, newsletters, people are Mm -hmm. inviting others to, you know, have subscribed to their newsletters. And before it was more like LinkedIn events and LinkedIn groups, which didn't really take off as well as I think LinkedIn planned it to be. But Mm. uh, definitely I think like newsletters and also keeping up with like sharing documents as carousels. I think that's where we're at at the moment in terms of where it would go. I'm not sure if it will do what, for example, Instagram has done because I I don't think LinkedIn is necessarily a very video-centric platform, Mm -hmm. but it could go that way. You know, it could adapt and adopt some of the things that like Instagram has done, for example, but highly doubt it because LinkedIn stories were removed. So I don't know if it will or not. Yeah, totally. Now, you mentioned polls and polls reaching thousands of people. I personally hate polls. I actually think they're just clickbaity and they're really like people will put up the most ridiculous things on polls just to get the clicks. So what I want to ta- like tie back to is how is how can we use this to actually build our brand? Because for me, I just look at it and go, I'm not even going to just... I'm not going to interact with that. I don't even understand how that actually can help anyone grow their business. So where is the crossover of thousands of clicks or views and building our brand? And I guess more, not even just on on LinkedIn, but on any platform. 
I think that you're right there because there tends to be a misconception that if you are getting a lot of engagement on your posts and you're you're reaching millions or you're getting, you know, hundreds of thousands of views and a ton of likes and a ton of comments, that means your business is doing very well. It actually comes down to how strong your strategy is. And so to unpack that, it's mm-hmm. it's the things like, for example, is your call to action clear? Like, is the message that's behind your brand super clear? Are people even aware of what you do? Because you could have a really great post that completely takes off, but if it is not something that's related to what you actually do, or if it's a topic that kind of relates, but people still don't understand what your what problem you're solving, then essentially it, it's wasted effort. And so mm-hmm. a lot of business owners definitely, you know, the ones that do well are definitely the ones that they just really keep to the one topic. They really keep to the one theme. They know exactly what they're talking about, what they're selling. People understand immediately what they do and the call to action is clear and that's something Mm. that will make it really strong and so then it doesn't matter if you've only got like you know 30 people that have seen it because of those 30 you might get like five new clients and that's more important than millions of views but it, it just generated a whole bunch of noise. Mm. So obviously LinkedIn is a b2b platform um I mean, all of them are, but LinkedIn is the the most popular B2B platform. And we've got, you know, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all of these. You talk a lot about building your personal brand and sharing stories and behind the scenes. Should we be, or should people be sharing the same content on all of them? Or does the content need to be specifically native to that platform? And how do we work out that split or the balance of where we spend our time? Yeah, well, I'll start with um, the easy one. Does the content need to be native to that platform? In most cases in social media, it's always good for content to be native to the platform. For example, you can create a reel and you might use the exact same video that completely took off on Insta. And if you pop that on TikTok, it would get hardly any engagement and vice versa. Algorithms really like it when it is native to the platform. So that's the first one. I would say that the distribution is more around how comfortable you are with showing up. And so what I do with my clients is we actually create content pillars for our clients. And so we give them, say, anywhere between like four to five different content pillars, sometimes a bit more if if there's room for a variety. But we give them content pillars to make sure that they are spreading out what they talk about. So for example, one client might have content pillar number one would be entertainment, right? It might be something that is just entertaining and, you know, it's just something to just put out there just for laughs. The second content pillar might be something educational. So that's where they are giving information. They're really delivering value and it's something that people can learn from and something that people will actually share for good reason. 
And then the third content pillar might be, for example, if they've got a podcast, it might be, you know, a snippet from their podcast or their YouTube video. A fourth one might be a testimonial or a win, you know, or a highlight of the year or a learning. So that's how I would distribute it rather than going, okay, it's 50% me and 50% someone else's content. It's more around creating themes and pillars so that, you know, you're not just giving educational posts out or you're not just talking about yourself and just putting out videos and there's a good mix and variety of it. Mm, I love that so much because I think that the days, actually I don't think I know, the days of, you know, a man in a suit staring at his Rolex on a, on a glossy and someone buying that, like obviously like, you know, Rolex we still are going to, but it's not going to, that that strategy is not going to work for all of us anymore, that we generally do business with people that we know, like, and trust. We're not going to just look at what's the name on the door. So it's not just about sharing, this is what I know and this is my expertise, but also this is who I am, this is my values, this is what's really important to me because we're connecting with people on such a deeper level now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. And that's why personal branding is so strong and such a good method of getting yourself out there. Because when you show up and when people start to recognize you, your story, your brand, and what you stand for, you are remembered. People start to remember your business and and what you do. Whereas if you're always hiding behind the brand and, you know, say Team Riley, for example, if Samantha Riley never came out and it was just Team Riley, that it would kind of it would kind of merge with all the other maybe like podcasts or, you know, coaches that are out there. But the moment you show up and you're the one that's on the videos and you're the one that's behind the brand, people start to remember you and that's, you know, and obviously there's a no like and trust factor as well. So it's, it's very, very important to be showing up as the face of your business for sure. Absolutely. I want to talk about more about creating that brand because you mentioned, you know, we've got that brand and that message. And I think so many people and more in, I, I'm going to say more in Gen X because children that have grown up with mobile phones or the internet, to them, that, that's just their whole world. But people like me and our age, we didn't grow up with the internet. So there's a lot of people that struggle, well, what is my brand? What is the part of it that I share? What is my story? I'd love you to sort of give some tips around starting to dive into what we can do to start to bring that story of who we are together so that it marries with our business. Mm, Yeah. Well, I'll share with you what I do because I I always like to use examples of how, you know, how I've done it before because I I find I, I like to teach when I've already, you know, done it myself. And one of the things that I I tend to do and um, how I began was the, the first way I started to build my personal brand was by building my own personal community. And mm-hmm. so when I started to build my personal community, people started to connect with each other and I was kind of like the glue between the connections that happened. And mm-hmm. so I think people thought I was just creating events and things like that, but they very, very quickly realized I, I was a social media girl. 
And Mm -hmm. that was the beginning of me building my personal brand. And obviously I was like running workshops and and that really helped as well because, you know, when you're speaking or when you're invited to podcasts, as an example, or on YouTube, you are definitely creating a lasting impression because people are learning something, they're seeing you that, you know, all those senses are coming out as well. So they get to really meet you. They know you, they like you, they trust you. That was another way of me building my personal brand. And then shifting on to, for example, the content that I put out on social media. Definitely, I started to repurpose a lot of like workshops or webinar videos and also inviting guests along and, and you know, interviews. That really helped. And ultimately, I think it really came down to the content I was delivering and the videos that were being put out. So I, I think that personal branding definitely should involve video. And it's probably something that, you know, was really talked about in 2020. And, you know, we we even talked about, I remember running webinars on, you know, how to build your following using video and community using video. So that's something that hasn't really changed. Like video is still very, very important. Even if it's like a 20 second reel, I think mm-hmm. video tends to come through a lot more and and the, the next one would be audio you know like for example podcasts audiograms because people are hearing your voice there that you mm-hmm. know that's a way for them to recognize you so voice is actually more recognizable than what I realized so the first time I realized this is I was at a conference and we just walked out of the the conference and we were kind of walking through the lobby I was walking through with a friend to the elevator and I remember pushing the button and I heard from behind me someone go oh my god is that the Sam Riley I'd never met this person, but she recognized my voice from the podcast. And that was when I realized how much more, um, you know, prominent podcasting was than what I'd thought, because we get to hear people's voice and we don't have a visual, which actually makes the audio like even stronger, if that makes sense, because we don't have that visual perception. So I definitely agree, you know, video is the thing, but don't discount audio as well. It, it's very special in its own right. Absolutely. I totally agree. And there are definitely people with distinctive voices as well. And it's kind of like part of their trademark. Who's someone that's got a distinctive voice like that? Because I, my brain's just automatically gone, who, who, who? And I can't um, think well, of someone. Well, I'm, I'm thinking of like radio hosts, you know, the, you know, when you're, when you're driving and, you know, all those years, you're just always listening to, um, you know, for example, like Hamish and Andy. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, or, or Jo, um, I can't remember her last name, but um, I think she's on. I think she's on Fox FM. Uh, but yeah, there there are very distinctive radio voices. So yeah, 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 fair, yeah. Hamish and Andy would definitely. You're right. Would if I if I if you heard that voice, you would know straight away who they were. And if you're if you're listening and you're not in Australia and you don't know who Hamish and Andy are, definitely look them up because they are the epitome of Aussie larrikins. Yes. <laughs> um, tell us about, so talking about audio, you did start your own podcast last year, Conscious Business Podcast. What was the catalyst for you deciding to go in and adding podcasting onto your marketing strategy? Yeah, well, you know, it was something that I kind of always wanted to do, but then 
I I didn't think it was necessary at the start. I remember thinking I've got my hands in way too many pies. I've got Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm not I'm not really just focusing on one either. I'm, I'm helping people build on all three or, you know, one or the other. So it was something that I had put off for a little while. And when I completed, you know, getting my the book published and becoming a published author, I thought, well, now's a great chance to be doing this, especially when everyone was in lockdown and, you know, with COVID, it saved me a lot of time. I didn't have to go to meetings anymore. There were no more events and everything was happening on Zoom online. And I started to think if I could carve out a bit more time in my week to actually not just have these conversations on a Facebook Live and for for that to only be in my Facebook group and community, if I could do something that would expand beyond that, how good would it be? And so I actually started doing YouTubing before I discovered podcasting and that was where I felt very, very comfortable. I realised it was something that I love. I'm very passionate about, you know, talking to people. I love talking to people and bringing out their stories. And so soon it just it just became a thing. It was almost like, you know, when I found podcasting, I didn't even want to be on YouTube anymore. I was like, I don't really mm. care or need to because I I can just use the podcast and just reshare them on YouTube anyway. But I love podcasting because it's it's something that is so transferable and you and and that isn't something that needs to be created on a platform. Like you can you can grab audio from a podcast and create an audiogram with it you can grab an image or a snapshot or or just create a poster and you can also you know literally just grab a snippet of a video and and put that out onto youtube as well so you can use it in many different ways and it's Mm, it's it's so different like i find when i'm having a podcast conversation with someone it's like it's like the moment you get in front of a mic, you got you get into this like other state. And it's just so cool because you can spend all this time writing and, you know, being an being an author, for example, you you're just writing, right? Writing a post or a blog. But when people when you put a voice behind it, there's so much more emphasis and power mm. behind the message. Yeah, I love that. I think there's, for me, one of the things that I love about podcasting that you don't get on any other platform is that people can consume it even when they're busy. So if you're watching a video, you generally, you know, you're generally at home or, you know, you might be on, on the bus, but, you know, we don't do that as much anymore with COVID. But, you know, you have to take the time to do that. Where with podcasting, I can go for a walk and I can put my AirPods in and listen to it. And there's sort of nothing, you know, I don't read and walk and I don't watch and walk, but I can listen and walk. Or, you know, as soon as I shut my laptop at night and go in the kitchen to make dinner, I always put a podcast on and listen to a podcast while I'm cooking dinner where, you know, you can't sort of consume different content. So I think it's worthwhile, you know, to to loop back. We're talking about how to have your business stand out through your online presence presence is to understand that people use different platforms at different times and for different reasons. So if people are thinking, all right, well, I need to really step up my personal brand this year, based on what I've just said, what are some of the criteria for them to think about to understand where to be? Because, you know, I see too many coaches trying to be on all the platforms and then be consistent on nothing. So, you know, how how can um, people 
start to figure out where do I start to make sure that I can really get good traction on that platform? Mm. Well, my first advice would be definitely just focus on the one platform and get it right there before you start moving across to other platforms. And this is from personal experience. I found that when I, for example, when I cracked the code, which is, you know, such a funny way of saying it, but when I figured out Facebook, it was a lot easier to then figure out Instagram. And then it was a lot easier, of course, to figure out LinkedIn because, you know, in terms of the number of users, Facebook was, you know, and I believe it still is the highest, there's the most number of users on that platform. And so the algorithm was the most trickiest. And when we're thinking about the word algorithm, there's usually a lot of confusion, a lot of like, oh, dislike and, and fear around it. But The algorithm is actually something that is used to your advantage if you know how to play on that platform. So whatever your platform you're you're focusing on, forget that something like that exists. Forget about Mm. impressions, numbers. Just think about quality and think about what kind of content you're putting out there. So my first step really would be to look at what is the problem that you are solving? I know it sounds so cliche and everyone says it, everyone talks about it, but like, what is the thing that you offer that you might not even realize you sell because you might have a package that involves so many different things, but what is something that you offer that other people don't or don't sell and how can you position yourself as the expert in that area? And then from there, so much content can come out and you don't have to always be selling and marketing. You, you know, you can be creating something educational around that thing and then, you know, just pop your website and a, a really small call to action down the bottom, like, you know, DM us to find out more info or jump on the website to learn more. And that will generate so much content and so much more effect than putting things out there for the sake of having a presence and uh and and really your feed getting messy and I do see that unfortunately I see people that are experts at business that are really doing well in business but then when they try and tackle Instagram for example you know they might dip their toes in, you know, health and wellness and the importance of looking after your health and well-being and maybe even weight loss. And then all of a sudden what restaurants they're recommending and then all of a sudden what hair products they're using. And and it's just like, you know, I would rather see you put out content around the thing that you master than to be putting out content and just looking like, you know, you're very popular and an expert. I hope that that makes sense. So Yeah, <laughs> it does. So it's about being really clear on your message, really clear what you stand for and absolutely sticking in your lane and and not veering out and trying to be all the things to all the people. And I think, you know, what I took from what you were saying there is to take away the ideas of, metrics and 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 you know tracking your numbers which is something that I've got to say we do talk about this on the podcast a lot but I think that we can get very caught between the difference of trying to track your metrics if you're running a a paid campaign which you must do and in your organic marketing just not worrying about that and purely focusing on adding value and not thinking about 
you know, trying to trick things. I see people all the time saying, oh, you know, what about the, you know, the algorithm of this? Well, don't worry about it because if you give really, really awesome content, the algorithm will just do its thing. That's, Absolutely. you know, that's the way it works. I mean, look at someone like one of my favorite people on TikTok is Elise Myers. She puts out content that's just so unique to her. She, there was no one else that was doing content like her. She's, you know, so wacky. Who would have thought that something, you know, like with no makeup, hair everywhere and very quirky would have been something that we all loved 10 years ago. But she's just proved that that is exactly what we want to see. She's just focused on putting out good content and the algorithm's just done its thing. So, you know, trying to, um, I guess, create something for the algorithm will actually work against you. Yep. Yep. I totally agree. I totally agree. But at the same time, you know, I think we've got to be really mindful of what we test as well, because Mm -hmm. it's so easy to see someone else doing something and then go, oh, I'm going to do a real doing that little dance and using that song. But if it has nothing to do with what you do and, you know, it's just like this funny dance, like, I I would be very, very considerate of like what we're putting out there as well and also how our brand is portrayed because it might work for some people but for others it might not be you. And and I'd say that you would know just by how you feel about it. It's There's like this Mm. gut feeling that happens where you go, I don't know if this is going to work. And if you're not sure and if you feel like it doesn't sit right with you and you don't feel comfortable then, you know, maybe ask another person and and just say, hey, you know, should I put this out? Does this align with what I do? And if it's just because, if you're just questioning it just because, you know, you think it's not perfect enough, then that's, you know, that's okay. But if you're questioning it because it doesn't feel right, Mm. then that might also be good feedback as well um, when you're thinking about what you're putting out there. Love that. Value bomb right there. Now, I know that you have a uh, an Instagram planner to help people to really create a strategy, which is essentially what you were just talking about. So can you share what that is and how people can get a copy of that? Yeah, absolutely. So I've got a 30-day attention authority Instagram content planner. It's essentially a planner that can be used not just for 30 days, but it, you know, it can be used over and over again. But it allows you to pretty much plan ahead of time your grid, what you're going to put out there as posts, and also what you're going to put out there as uh, stories. So it has pretty much 60 different prompts. So there's 30 prompts for Instagram posts and 30 prompts for Instagram stories. And so there'll be like little prompts to say, for example, what is something that you discovered recently that you would like to share? Uh, you know, show us, uh, you know, an image behind the scene of your team at work and, you know, share and celebrate a win or a discovery that you've just had recently. So there'll be 60 different prompts that really help you when you're feeling that, I guess, the writer's block or the social media block that sometimes happen and really useful as well when you're looking at your feed and going, oh, I'm putting too much of one thing. What what are some other ways I can continue showing up and building my personal brand? So Mm -hmm. it's for anyone, really. It doesn't have to be someone that's a personal brand. It can be brands as well. Um, with products, but it's great if you are, you know, ever stuck with your content. 
Awesome. And we'll put the link for that in the show notes so that you can go and grab that. Just before we finish up, I do want to touch on Instagram a little bit because Instagram is a platform where it's, it's, you know, it's got Instagram stories, it's got IGTV, it's got reels, it's got the, you know, the, the main news feed. Where do you think that it is the best place to really put our time and energy into right now? And it could change at any time, but, but right now at the time that we're recording this, where would you suggest people kind of start with Instagram? I would say when you're starting, definitely just start with posts. Just start with putting out your first few pictures or videos. And if they're, you know, more than a minute long and, and, and you're just putting out a video, then feel free to just make it an IGTV. See how you go. You can change the cover photo of that if you want to make your grid look nice. and Or you could just select an image within that video and, and that will be the cover and that's what's going to show up on um, your feed. For those that are more advanced and you've been on Instagram for a while and you really want to like take it to the next level, I definitely recommend Reels. That is, that's where things are at at the moment. So Reels is kind of like you know, tapping into a new platform where there's not a lot of users and what you put out there gets seen a lot faster by a lot more people. So reels are definitely a place to be for those that are a bit more advanced. And obviously, you know, with reels, it can get a little bit complex as well. Like some reels Mm. will really take off and you'll see it reach thousands within half an hour and some just won't. And sometimes there's actually no answer to as to why. Just some just work really well. It might be the clip or the music that you're using or the way you've edited it. There are so many nuances, but I would just say that whatever it is, if you really want to scale on a platform, it, it's really about consistency. So I encourage you know, even doing like a, making a goal of doing one per day at the start, just to get comfortable with it and to get really used to the idea of, you know, posting and creating and then wind it back to what works for you. Mm, I love that. You finished with my fate, one of my favorite words, which is consistency, because I don't think that it's possible to build a personal brand well without consistency. So you've tied that up beautifully with a bow. So thank you very much, Phoebe, for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me on, Samantha. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other coaches and experts who are growing and scaling their business too, come and join the Coaches Course Creators and Speakers group on Facebook. The links are all waiting for you over at samanthariley.global.